right, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, so you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. My name is Aaron Riddle. Uh, some of you may know me. I've been here a couple Wednesday nights. I am the associate pastor up at Faith Baptist Church in Chehalis. But it's good to be here this morning, and I wish it was under better circumstances that I was here, and not because your pastor was having some health issues, but I'm thankful for the opportunity, and hopefully the Lord could use me to be a blessing to you all this morning. Thank you for being in Sunday School, Second Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple verses of Scripture here and try to jump into it and try to get this finished. But Second Timothy chapter 3, and in verse number 14, the Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to be here in church. Uh, thank you, Lord, for, for the blessed assurance that we have and that we can lean on your everlasting arms. And Father, we just pray right now as we get into your word in this Sunday school hour, Father, that you'd bless it, that Lord, you'd use it, uh, that God, you would get me out of the way this morning, that these folks would not hear from Aaron Riddle, but that they would hear from you, Lord. And so God, I desperately need your help right now. I pray, Father, that uh, Jesus Christ would be the one lifted up and glorified, and that Lord, you just use your word to grow your people. That's the point of Sunday school, Father, is just to help us grow in you. And so Father, please help us now. I need you very much. Uh, I ask God you'd fill me with your power to do this, because I need you, Father. We love you. And and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So going back here to second Timothy chapter three, if you look in verse number one, Paul says to Timothy, he says this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And Paul says that the days we live in are going to be difficult. And I don't think it's anything new to anyone that has tried to live for God or, or, or tried to uh, be a strong Christian for the Lord Jesus Christ. That in this day and age, it's not a very easy thing to do. There's a lot of opposition. There's a lot of pressure from the world and from the devil to uh, stop us uh, from living for God. And so it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not something that, uh, you know, it's just all sunshine and roses to live the Christian life. And I think sometimes as Christians, we have to realize that, right? That we're in a fight. We're in a battle. Uh, uh, Paul also said to Timothy, he said, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, it's not always easy being a soldier. It's not always easy being in a fight. And so we have to prepare ourselves and understand that sometimes it's going to be hard to stand for what's right. Sometimes the devil is going to attack us when we're trying to live for God and do what's right and be faithful to church, all those types of things. But he says that these last days are going to be perilous. Uh, But praise the Lord, we can still be godly Christians even in the midst of perilous times. Even though it's in a dangerous day and age, even though the devil is against us and the world is against us and, and, and the, 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 the mindset of, of the world is, is anti-God and anti-Christianity, you and I can still be godly Christians. You and I can still be what God wants us to be. In verse number 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That you and I can be perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works, even in the midst of perilous times. Now, that perfect doesn't mean that we never sin or we never do anything wrong or anything like that. Perfect means complete. 
It means being what God wants us to be. And in our spiritual life and our spiritual walk, we can be right with the Lord. We can be completely in the will of God. We can be complete uh, in, in just our, our mindset and our attitude and our spirit for the things of God. And we can be furnished unto all good works. And that should be our goal. As Christians, that should be what you and I want is to be what Jesus Christ wants us to be, to be uh, perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works, that our hearts and our lives are right with Him, and that He uses us uh, for His glory and for His honor and for His purpose. That should be our goal. But how do we become verse 17 Christians? Right in this midst of perilous times, in this midst of, and, and we didn't even read down through. I mean, you go through that list and Paul says, man should be lovers of themselves and this, and it's, it's a difficult thing to live for God. So how can we be, verse 17, Christians perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works? Well, starting in verse number 16 again, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How do we become verse 17 Christians? By the word of God. By getting the word of God inside of us, by studying and dwelling on and and letting this book as we get it, having it get in us. If you want to be a verse 17 Christian, you, you need to be in the word of God. And verse 16 tells us that the Bible is profitable for us. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That means the word of God is good and it is beneficial for you and I. That means it is worth our time and worth our while to spend time in this book. Whether it's by reading it and studying it ourselves on a day-to-day basis and having a personal time of Bible study and devotion, getting in the word of God for ourselves and saying, God, what do you have for me? Maybe it's coming to church. Maybe it's coming to Sunday school or Sunday morning or Sunday night or Thursday night where the preacher gets up and, and shows you some things from the word of God. But those things are profitable. Those things are helpful for us in our lives. And that is why, Christian, filling yourself with God's word should be of high priority in your life. Because we're in perilous times. Because it is difficult to be a Christian. Because you do have a very real enemy called the devil that wants you to quit and wants you to give up and wants you to be discouraged and wants you to give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to be filling ourselves with God's word. And that should be a focal point for you and I. That should be something that we're focused on, not just as an afterthought. Not just of, well, if I have time Sunday morning, I'll be at church. Or, or man, if I wake up and I'm not too busy and I'm not too tired, and if there's not anything too interesting on, on social media or on the TV, well, then I'm going to read the Bible. No, we should understand that, man, God puts a high emphasis on his word. The Bible says he's magnified his word above his name. That's what he thinks of his word. And that, hey, this is what strengthens us and helps us to be what God wants us to be. And so how high of a priority do you place on the Word of God in your life, Christian? This past week, how much time have you spent in the Word of God? How much time have you read the Word of God or memorized the Word of God or studied the Word of God? When it comes to times we're preaching, uh, and I know our flesh doesn't think it's profitable and our flesh doesn't always enjoy it and that type of stuff, but the opportunities you've had to sit under someone to hopefully feed you things from the Word of God and help you spiritually, how much of a priority have you placed on those things? Christian, it should be important. It should be important because the Bible is profitable and the Bible is good for us. And so jumping into this morning, I'd like to talk about why the Bible is good for you. Why the Bible is good for you and why it's profitable and why it's something we should put a priority on. And Lord willing, I'll be able to get through this before the Sunday school hour. 
But can I say, number one, why the Bible is good for you is because it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. Verse number 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. And what doctrine is, it's the teachings of the Bible. It's the Bible showing us what we should believe and, and why we believe it. You think of maybe things like the doctrine of salvation, right? That the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, uh, lest any man should boast. And so the doctrine of the Bible is not that we're saved by good works, not we're saved by going to a certain church, not that we're saved by being baptized, not that we're saved by giving enough money, or we're saved by the grace of God and by accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name. Right, and so that's a doctrine of the Bible where we see what the Bible has to say about how we can have forgiveness of sins, how we can go to heaven when we die. Things like the doctrine of eternal security, uh, trusting in that we're sealed until the day of redemption, that we can't lose our salvation, that we can't give up our salvation, anything like that, but we have eternal security. Things like the doctrine of the deity of Christ. Different things like that. That's what doctrine is. And doctrine is very important if you keep your spot here, but go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 13. The Bible says this, Paul says once again to Timothy, in verse number 13 of 1 Timothy 4, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So he says, give attendance. He says, pay attention. He says, put a focus and an emphasis on this thing that, that you understand uh, what your doctrine is and what you believe and what the Bible has to say. In verse number 16, Paul says, take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so Paul put an emphasis to Timothy about, hey, pay attention to the doctrine. Give attendance to doctrine. Take heed to the doctrine. Know the doctrine and the things that you believe. And can I say, Christian, this morning, it's good to be in the Bible, right? It's profitable. It's good for us. It's, it's good to be in the Bible so you know why you believe what you believe, right? So when someone comes to you and says, well, well, why do you believe that you can just simply accept Jesus Christ by faith and be saved? Well, instead of just saying, well, that's what the preacher said one Sunday or whatever. This is what I heard. Well, do you have scripture to back it up? When someone comes along and I've, I've had this before and says, say, well, well, how, how, how can I actually be saved, right? If I just accept Christ, but then I go and do something terribly, how can I still be saved? Would you know why other than just, well, the pastor said that one Sunday? All these types of things, it's good for us to be, why? So we know for ourselves. Right? So we're not just basing what we believe on just what some man said, because guess what? There's a lot of crazy people in the world today. There's a lot of people that will tell you anything and everything of what to believe and what. And you need to have a firm foundation on why you believe what you believe, which should be the word of God and what the Lord has to say. If you go to Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, <clears throat> And look what the Bible says here, Acts chapter 17 and verse number 10. The Bible says, 
And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of the honorable woman which were Greeks, and of men not a few." Right, and so Paul and Silas come to Berea and they're preaching the word of God and they're telling these people how to be saved and how to live for the Lord and all those type of things. But did you see what it says in verse number 11? It says they received it with readiness of mind, but they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. They didn't just say, oh, well, this person said this thing, so that's why I'm going to believe this thing. They said, no, we're going to get in the scriptures for ourselves and we're going to find out what God has to say and that's what we're going to put our belief and trust in, not just on what a man says. And once again, I would be very clear in this. I am not in any way, shape, or form telling you to doubt what the preacher says or doubt what your pastor says or have a critical attitude towards everything like, well, no, man's. that's not what I'm saying here. But I'm saying the man of God and the pastor should be able to stand up and say, this is why we believe what we believe from the word of God. Right. And you should be able to go home or hear the preaching and there should be scripture to back it up and say, well, this is why we believe. I mean, yes, praise the Lord for the pastor or the preacher that showed me some things of, of strengthening my belief. But ultimately, my belief is in the word of God, not in the man. And it says then in verse number 12, therefore, many of them believed. You know why there was a, a strong belief that they had? Because they found out for themselves why they believed what they believed. And once again, I'm afraid in Christianity, we have a lot of lazy Christians and a lot of Christians that are just content with coming and just being spoon fed and have their belief in what the pastor believes or what someone else believes instead of really finding out for themselves why they believe what they believe. And then it's very easy to be deceived or to be tricked because guess what? There's some false prophets. There's some false teachers out there that, man, they're very charismatic and they have a way with words and it's very easy for them to come in and sound very convincing. That, well, no, you have to be baptized to be saved or you have to be a good person to be saved or you can actually lose your salvation, right? Or you can give up your All that type of crazy stuff. And if you're not grounded in the word of God and it's not a belief that you have because of the word of God, just you're going to be easily tricked into believing something that maybe the Bible doesn't actually say. But we should be grounded in the word of God and not even just that. And you think it may be things of, of stuff like, uh, you know, salvation or eternal, but even stuff in our day-to-day living, right? The, the, the way we dress, the type of music we listen to, the places we go, the things we partake of. Once again, I mean, praise the Lord, and we talked about this Wednesday night some about preachers that get up and they preach on sin and say we should do this or not and all that kind of stuff. But so many times I think people just get convicted because what the preacher said, and then they go and they try to do the things that the preacher said, but they're just doing it because, well, the preacher said I should or should not do this. And then after a while, that conviction kind of fades away and it kind of rubs off a little bit. And it's like, well, why can't I dress this way? Or, well, why can't I listen to this kind of music? Or, well, why can't I do this thing or go to this place? And they go right back into it where if they would actually take some time to say, well, what does the Bible have to say about how I dress? What does the Bible have to say about the music I listen to? What does the Bible have to say about what I put into my body or the things or whatever? Well, then guess what? You're grounded in the word of God and you have a belief and conviction because of what God has shown you. And it's much more personable. And so when the devil comes along or things happen, that thing's still fresh in your heart and mind because, well, no, it's not just so-and-so said it a couple Sundays ago or a year ago. Well, no, I, I know what the Bible has to say about it. 
or when the devil attacks you about things like he does with me. And I can go to verses and say, well, wait a minute. The Bible says this. And so it's being grounded in the word of God. Go to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. I'm talking about this morning why it's profitable. The word of God is profitable. The reading, studying, hearing someone preach from it and, and pull things from it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11. Ephesians 4 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know what God says? He says he doesn't want you to be us to be children in, in what we believe and why we believe. You know why? Because children, little kids will believe almost anything you tell them. I know because I was a very gullible little kid, right? You know, being told like, well, you know, a watermelon is actually blue on the inside until you cut it with a knife. And then when the air hits it, it turns red. So, you know, as a kid, you spend all this time and I'm like, maybe I can cut it or maybe there's a way I can look. And that's not true. But as a kid, I believed it. You know, my dad and don't, my, my family's kind of weird. So just, you'll learn that a little bit as the more you get around me. Uh, my dad used to always say, he said, well, you know, if you drink coffee, your babies are going to come out naked. And so it was quite a while before I was like, well, wait, that's just as a natural thing, right? And just the point I'm trying to get across is, is, is kids believe almost whatever you tell them. If you're convincing enough, they'll take it because they don't know any better. Well, sometimes Christians are the same way. Right. And, and Paul says, don't be a child because there's many people lying in wait to deceive and crafty and all these things. And so we ought not to be choked. We ought to be firm in what we believe. And and once again, trying to balance what I said earlier, what did he say? He said he gave some pastors and teachers what for the perfecting of the saints. Right. To help us learn and to grow. And that's why things like Sunday school are so important. And even maybe Wednesday night or Sunday night times that. Yes, maybe the preachers and going up and be all, you know, like jumping around and hooping and hollering and all this type of. But it's bringing things out of the word of God to help grow us as Christians. And hopefully, and I wouldn't give five cents for a preacher that doesn't bring things from the word of God. Right? It's not just standing up and saying, well, I think this and I believe this. But no, this is what the Bible has to say. And so let me exhort you with some things from the word of God that your faith doesn't rest in what I say, but in the word of God, because I'm showing you what it has to say. And so once again, we ought to know why we believe what we believe. We ought to know and have some firm foundation on, on our beliefs. And, and once again, not just because this is what I heard someone say. And can I say along those lines, not only should you know why you believe what you believe, but you should know how to defend what you believe. You should know how to take the word of God. And when someone comes at you with false doctrine or heresy and say, well, no, this isn't true. This is what the Bible has to say. Go to First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter three, first Peter chapter three and verse number 15, the Bible says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. The Bible says, hey, be ready to give an answer. 
And look, I understand there's a lot of doctrines in the Bible. There's a lot of things to know. This Bible is an inexhaustible book of things. But especially when it comes to our salvation, right? We ought to know why we're saved. And we ought to know if someone asks us, how do I get saved? How to tell them how to be saved. And if I can just be a little bit pointed this morning, shame on you if you've been saved for any decent amount of time and and you don't know how to lead someone to the Lord. That's one of the reasons why God kept you on this earth is to to bear fruit, is to make other Christians. And look, I'm not saying you necessarily feel completely comfortable. I'm an associate pastor. I've been saved since I was six years old and I'm 28 now. And I still get nervous when it's like, you know, older call time and pastor's like, hey, does anyone want to get saved? And I'm like, what if someone raises their hand? Because I'm just, I'm that type of person, right? But I know how to do it. I know verses of scripture of how to show someone how to be saved. And we ought to be ready. What if your family member... What if your coworker, what if someone you know is like, and I know it's, once again, we kind of get shocked when someone's actually interested because we're so used to the rejecting. But if they want to know, we ought to be able to show them some scriptures and not just say, well, just trust Christ as your savior. I mean, yes, is that true? Well, why? Because once again, there's people that say, well, come to our church and you're saved or take mass and you're saved or be a good person. We ought to be able to give an answer, Christian. And we ought to have some spiritual maturity to be able to do those things. I'm not saying you have the entire Bible memorized, but do you at least have something written down where you can say, well, maybe I, I my memory is bad, but here are some verses that I know I could take someone through to show them how to be saved. It's important. Go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. You doing all right this morning? Come on. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9, Titus 1 and verse number 9, the Bible says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouth must be stopped who subvert whole houses teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. And now, yes, this is Paul talking to Titus, a preacher and a minister. But I still think this is something that the the, the average Christian can take uh, note of in their life where Paul says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. Why? That he may be able by sound doctrine, by actually knowing what the Bible says to what? to exhort and convince the gainsayers that yes, when someone comes along and they will come along, that has all this different type of doctrine and all this different type of heresy of why, once again, salvation, eternal security, the deity of Christ, all those types of things that you can say, that's not right. And I'm not just saying that because that's what I believe, but I'm saying that because of what the Bible has to say. And let me show you some verses that prove what is true and what is right and what is uh, actual doctrine. And once again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have the whole Bible memorized or that you have to know everything that the Bible has to say. But when's the last time you studied out eternal security? Or you studied out the deity of Christ? Or you studied out the purpose of baptism? Or any of those things? And even something that I do because, I, I one, I don't talk very well. Two, I don't remember things very well. And three, I'm a terrible argument person. I don't know what you've speak. Point example right there, right? Uh, I'm not a very good argument, whatever. I'm not good at winning arguments. And so something that I've done, and I'm still kind of working on it, don't have it 
as much as I want to get back. But in the back of my Bible, I have some pages. And you know what I did? I wrote down a thing on eternal security. And I took time to study myself and, and maybe even learn some things or ask some people some questions. But I know my flesh. I know it's easy when I actually get in a conversation with someone, I can't think of anything. And then 10 minutes after the conversation is done, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's this verse and this verse and this thing. And so you know what I had to do for myself? And it took some work. It took some effort. It took some time. But, hey, I'm going to write down some things. And so the next time someone has some questions, I can say, hey, let me grab my Bible so I can actually prove some things from the Scripture of why I believe in eternal security. And that's something anyone can do. That's something you can do. Just take some time. And, and it helps, too, just to actually study it because, yeah, you may not remember things that well, but take some time to actually think and focus. And God does put it in your heart. And you'll be surprised in the next time how it will be a lot easier to come up with, well, yeah, this verse says this, without even having to look or, or go back to something. And so just once again, Christian, the Bible is profitable for doctrine, and doctrine is very important. I'm afraid that as these perilous days are coming and the end times are coming, that Christians are getting less and less focused on, on what they believe and why they believe it. And that's why it's been so easy for all these other denominations and things and stuff like that to come in and take people away. Because they're really not grounded on the word of God. They're just grounded on what they heard someone say. And so, Christian, the word of God is profitable for doctrine. And it's something that you should know why you believe what you believe. And you should know how to defend what you believe. And so why the Bible is good for you, number one, it is profitable for doctrine. And number two, uh, going back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof. And so the Bible is good for you because it's profitable for reproof. And reproof is simply being shown that you're wrong. It's having something point out in your life that this isn't right and it needs to change. We talked some actually about that Wednesday night. But go to uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 because God's word will point out the sin in your life. God's word will point out the sin in your life. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. The Bible says this, Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know how God uses this word? As a sword. That man, when you and I are doing some things we ought not to be doing and involve some things we ought not to be involved in, right? You get around the Word of God and you read the Word of God or a preacher gets up and he preaches from the Word of God. You know what it does? Man, it stabs us like a sword. And I can say that from experience, whether it's from my own Bible reading preaching, right? Something's going on and man, God uses His Word. He goes, bang. It's like, ugh, <laughs> right? Because there's no arguing with the Word of God. Right? If I get up and say something, yeah, you can argue with me. You can make excuses with me. You can say, well, you don't know this. But when God himself takes his word and points something out to you and says, hey, what you're doing is not right because this is what the Bible... You can't argue with that. There's no... Because it's from the Lord. And the thing is, too, that there's no hiding from it. There's no getting around it. In verse number 13, after the verse we just read, it says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Because we can hide our sin from people, right? Some of the best actors you'll ever find are Christians. Because we know how to put on the show, we know how to put on the facade, we know how to make people think we have things all together. 
And we can hide our sin from the spouse, from the kids, from the parents, from the preacher, from our church. But you can't hide it from God. And so that sword man, and, and, and you know, people sometimes think of, uh, oh man, did the, 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 the preacher, you know, somehow find out what I was doing, or did my spouse talk to the preacher about that, or we have this guest preacher, and did the preacher tell him what I'm doing in my life so he would preach? No, it's, it's the word of God. It's the fact that you can't hide anything from the Lord. And, and you're reading your Bible and God's like, ha, everyone else may not know, but I know. So this verse that you're reading, I'm going to jump it out and put it right in your face and say, this is wrong in your life. And that's what the Bible is profitable. It's for reproof. And even though our flesh doesn't like that, we think, well, that doesn't sound like a very profitable thing, like a good thing. But it is good because sin will hinder our walk with God. And the reason why God points out our sin is to get it right. And God knows that that thing in your life is hindering your fellowship and your relationship and the blessings of God. So it's good for us to have those things pointed out so we can get them right. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And verse number 8. James 4 and verse number 8. The Bible says this. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And so if we draw to God, the Bible says God's going to draw nigh to us. But what does the writer there put, what does the Holy Ghost put there with that drawing nigh to God? To God, cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts. You know what that tells me? If my hands aren't cleansed, if there's sin on them, and if my heart isn't pure, it's going to affect me drawing nigh to God, which is in turn going to affect God drawing nigh to me. And so God says, let me point some of these things out and why the Bible is profitable and why preaching is profitable because it points those things out to hopefully help us get them right and get the sin out and to cleanse our hearts and to purify our hearts and to clean up the mess. So why? So we can get back to a close relationship with God. Because, you know, if you don't have your faults pointed out, you will never get any better. I know we don't like it. I know it's not enjoyable. We talked some about that Wednesday night. But sometimes the preacher's job is to to preach on these things and get on those things. We don't like when we hear that we're wrong. But the reality is, is, is sometimes we will never get any better unless someone comes along and says, hey, this is wrong and there's a better way or, or there's some changes that you need to make. Go to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. And verse number 31. <clears throat> 15 and verse number 31, the Bible says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Right? If if, if you don't want your life to turn out very well, don't listen to instruction. Don't listen to reproof. Don't listen when God points some things out in your life. But you know what it says? The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise, and he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Right? Because the Lord tries to show us. He's not just trying to be mean. He's not just trying to be nasty. He's not just trying to beat you up. He's trying to get you to the point of understanding that even though that sin may be enjoyable, or you're like doing it, or it's, it's in the long run going to hurt you. It's in the long run not going to be good for your life. And so he says, let me point this out so hopefully you'll learn to get rid of it and I don't get too far ahead of myself, but that you can get back on the right path. And that's why it's profitable to be in the word of God. Because guess what? We're all sinners. 
we all mess up. I'm an associate pastor, and I'm as much of a sinner as anybody else. That doesn't mean I try to, or there's an excuse to do it, or it's okay. But we live in this flesh. And whether it's on purpose, or whether it's just sometimes just because of this life we're living in, God has to come along and say, hey, this thing is wrong in your life, and you need to get it right. But it's for our good. And so the Word of God is profitable for reproof. And moving along here to try to finish this up before the time we have is over. Number one, why the Bible is good for you is profitable for doctrine. Number two, profitable for reproof. And number three, the Word of God is profitable for correction. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And that correction is how to fix what is wrong and make it right. Right? It's not just... This thing is wrong in your life, but okay, this thing is wrong. So how do we fix it to make it better? To now do the right thing. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 11, the Bible says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And I'm thankful today that God doesn't just end it with reproof, right? I think we don't just serve a God that all he does is just point out all the wrong in our lives just to make us feel miserable. Right? That's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and you need to be better. But what does he do? He corrects us. He loves it enough just to say, uh, it's not just this thing, but, but now let's make it better, right? Let's fix that thing in your life. Let's, let's get you back to a point of good and praise the Lord for his correction. And you know, it's good for us to know how to correct our wrongdoings, right? That's why it's good to be in the Bible because we're sinners, because we mess up. Okay, that's, that's part of living in this flesh, But we shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm terrible, and yep, I'm bad, and yep, I'm a sinner, and yep, and okay, that's just what it is. No. There should be, okay, well, how can I better myself? Or how can I have the Lord get me to this point that I need to be at in my life? Praise the Lord. Example correction, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God just doesn't come along and say, well, yep, you're a filthy, rotten, vile sinner, and so you need saved, or hey, after you saved, you're, you're still a sinner, and you still messed up, and see this thing, and that's it, that's just, you know, now feel bad about it. No. He says, hey, how can we correct it? How can we get it right? If you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to stay in that state of, of broken relationship. You don't have to stay in that state where I can't bless you like I want to or do good to you because of your... But you can get it right and you can move forward for the Lord and I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, what time is it? I'll see if we have time to go here or not. Sure, we'll go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Just an example, once again, of correction. I don't know if we'll read this whole passage or the whole thing I planned on reading. But Ephesians chapter 4. And let's start. In verse number. Verse number 25. Just examples of what I'm talking about. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Reproof. Put away lying. Lying is wrong. Be honest. Don't lie. Now, what's the correction? 
Let every man speak truth with his neighbor. This is the right thing now to do in your life. Uh, jump down to verse number 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. The reproof, don't steal. It's wrong. Don't take what's not yours. But you know what you need to do? The correction. Hey, work with your hands and labor. And not only that, but now instead of stealing, you know what you should do? Give to those that need. Right? So it's the correction the right way. Uh, number, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Reproof once again. No corrupt communication. Don't be swearing, don't be cussing, don't be, don't be talking about vile things, don't be gossiping, don't be slandering, all that kind of stuff, uh, corrupt communication, but speak that which is good, the correction. Hey, be edifying to the hearers. You let the Lord use it to be a help to others and a blessing and an encouragement to others, the correction. Verse number 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, the reproof, and now the correction, and be ye kind. One to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Right? The way we're supposed to be now. God doesn't just point out a bunch of things that we're not supposed to do, but he says, hey, here's how we can correct it. Here's how you can be pleasing to me in your life. And you know what? We need to be willing to follow and obey God's correction. Right? When God does point out the reproof, when God does say there's some things wrong, we need to be willing to change. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And verse number 22. James 1, 22, The Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so what God say, hey, this, this Bible is like a mirror, right? It points out what's wrong, but also shows us then how to correct it. And it says, don't be someone that just looks at it and says, oh, yep, God said I was wrong in this. So now let me just go my way and forget about it or do my, no, make some changes. Take heed to it. Why? Because the Bible says that's the man that's going to be blessed. The man that, that listens and takes heed to the correction and makes some changes in his life. And so that's why the Bible is profitable. That's why it's good to be in the Bible, to know the correction that God has for you in your life, the things that, that how you can be what God wants you to be and change the things in your life that need to be changed. Hey, that's what preaching should be, right? Yes, there should be some, some, we talk about once again, Wednesday night about reproving and rebuking, and then there should be some direct, like, this is wrong. But there should then be some exhortation of, hey, this is how we can do what's right. This is how we can please the Lord and, and correct those things in our life. And so why the Bible is good for you, number one, it's profitable for doctrine. Number two, it's profitable for reproof. Number three, it's profitable for correction. And lastly, this morning, it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. We won't read it again, but that's what it says in verse number 16, that it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. And this kind of, I think, goes along with correction. But instruction in righteousness is how to please God with our lives, right? It's living in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. That's glorifying to his name. And he looks and says, man, I'm pleased with that. And it's good for us to know what God wants us to do. Right? One of the most important things in your life should be that you want to please the Lord. 
should be that you want to glorify God. Well, you know how you find out what it is by getting in this book, by finding out how he says to please the Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15, the Bible says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Right? And so, so the Bible says we're, we're supposed to walk circumspectly, carefully, unguardly. We're supposed to redeem the time, make good use of our time here on this earth. And, and how does it say we do that? By not being unwise, but understanding what God's will is for our life. Understanding what He wants us to do and what's going to be pleasing and glorifying and honoring to Him. And yeah, many times we think of the will of God as like, well, what is that like? You know, what's the long-term plan for my life? Or who's the person I'm going to get married to? Or this ministry, I'm like, like a big... But the will of God is also just the day-to-day things of how we live our life. Hey, God wants you to be in the will of God today. He wants you to act today in a way that's pleasing to Him. Hey, tomorrow God wants you to be in the will of God. As you work your job, as you go about your life, as you interact with people and interact with your... He wants you to be inside the will of God next week and next month. The will of God is very important to him because it's what pleases him. And the Bible says we should understand what the will of the Lord is, meaning you should know what God expects of you. And not necessarily meaning like, man, if you don't know what you're going to be doing 25 years from now, you're not inside the will of God. That's not what I'm saying. But for today, you should know what God expects of you for today. For tomorrow, you should know what God expects you tomorrow. Hey, today's church, you know what I believe God's will is for you? Be in church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manners, but, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Right? We should, uh, love our brother. Right? The second greatest commandment, the love thy neighbor as a, we know some things that God says, this is my will for you. God's will isn't always some big type of mystery that we don't know, like he's trying to keep it secret from us. But many Christians don't. You know why? Because they're not in the Word of God. Because they're not spending time in the Bible. The preaching isn't as important to them, so they don't pay as much attention or be to the services or whatever. And so they miss out when God's like, hey, I have some stuff for you to do. Right? Maybe it is a ministry. Maybe it is some big thing. But maybe God's will for you tomorrow is to go witness to your coworker. Maybe God's will for you tomorrow is to call that brother or sister in Christ that maybe is really discouraged and they need someone to call them and, and be an encouragement to them. But you know how God speaks to us through his word? That doesn't necessarily mean like it's going to be, hey, witness to Joe tomorrow at work, or hey, call, uh, you know, Fred tomorrow. But he guides and directs us and uses it to minister to our hearts, and, and, and he can direct things. He'll put something on our mind, and then he'll use the word of God to confirm it. Or even the preacher, he'll say something and be like, I think that's God showing me what his will is. It's profitable. And God uses his word to show us his will. Psalm 119, 105. A pretty familiar verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what God's word is? It's a light. It shows us the path. But that path isn't our will. God doesn't say, hey, let me show you a light so you can just do what you want to do and be what you want to be and pay attention to what you want to. No, that light directs his path the way he wants you to go. But if you want a light to your path, then guess what? You need to take advantage of the light that you have. You need to use the light. 
Right? If it's dark outside, I can have a flashlight sitting in on my nightstand. But it's not going to help me if I just go outside and just start trying to walk around and find what I want to go without that light. I have to grab the light. I have to turn it around and hold it with me and it'd be a light to my path. And it's a shame that God's word is available to everyone. You don't have to be a pastor for God to speak to you through his word. You have to be a Sunday school teacher for God to show you what his will is. Maybe some great, amazing spiritual person that everyone looks at. You can be a faithful Christian sitting in God's Word Baptist Church in Sunday school this morning. And God cares about you. And God loves you. And God wants to show you what his will is for your life. And he sits there and says, hey, I got it for you. Right? I have the instruction manual right here. Praise the Lord for a nation that each one of us can have a Bible. And many of us probably have more than one Bible. But do we take advantage of it? God says, hey, that preacher, man, I, 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 I gave him something for my word and he spent hours in studying and hours in praying and hours in preparation to be a blessing and to be a help. And he's going to be there in Sunday school and he's going to be there Sunday morning and he's going to be there Sunday night and he's going to be there Wednesday night. And he has something for you from God's word and it's there and it's available that anyone can come and listen to. But it's not going to help you if you stay at home. The word of God's profitable. And I don't know about you, but the will of God's important to me. And I want to make sure I'm in the will of God. I want to make sure I'm pleasing to the Lord. And so you know what I want to do? I want to make sure I'm in it so I don't miss it. And so it's profitable. And the word of God shows us how to live so that we can have God's blessing in our life. We'll go to one last place and we'll be done this morning. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. In verse number 8, Joshua 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, God speaking to Joshua, he says, This book of the law, which was their Bible that they had at that time, the scriptures, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And God tells Joshua, hey, this book of the law, you know what you need to do? You need to meditate. You need to be in it. You need to read it. You need to know it. And then once you know it, you know what you should do? You should obey it. And you should follow it. And you should live it. And you know, once you do those things, guess what? Then your way is going to be prosperous. And then you're going to have good success and I'm going to bless you. I know, Christian, it doesn't mean if you read your Bible, if you're faithful to all the services, that you're going to have a million dollars and you're going to have the nicest car and the nicest house and it's just going to be sun. Right? We still live in this earth. and still, But you do have the blessings of God. And God is there for you. And God does help you in a way that all those other things that the world tries to promote can't do. But it's contingent. It's, 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 it's God says, here it is. Now it's up to you. He's not going to go home and, you know, the Bible's going to fling out your bookshelf and smack you in the face and be like, read me. He's not going to drag you here to church. They're going to grab you by the ear and be like, okay, get in your car, and I drive to church, and I'll be... He doesn't do that. He says, here it is. If you want it, you can have it, but it's up, for, up to you. But I just wanted to get across this morning, church, that the Bible is good for you. Now, we live in perilous times. It's difficult to live for God and do it right, do, do what's right. But we can. We can be a godly Christian. We can be pleasing to the Lord. We can be perfect and thoroughly furnished in all good works, but you know how it happens? By the word of God. And the word of God is profitable for us. It's worth for us 
to be inside this book daily and to hear preaching from it as often as we can. Because the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, the Word of God is profitable for reproof, the Word of God is profitable for correction, and the Word of God is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to be in Sunday school. Thank you for these faithful people that are here this morning. I pray, God, uh, that this was a blessing and a help and an encouragement to them, Lord. I pray, Father, that you were the one that did the work, that, Lord, it wouldn't be any conviction from me or any help from me or anything from me, but, God, you were the one that spoke to their hearts. And, Lord, if you did that, that's what's going to make a change. That's what's going to be a diff- make a difference. That's what's going to be an encouragement. So I pray, Lord, that you would be the one that does the work and that most of all, Lord, you'd be the one that's glorified and honored and exalted because you deserve the praise and glory for everything. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's profitable. Thank you, Lord, that we can be godly Christians even in the perilous times that we live in. So, Father, uh, pray you just uh, be with the morning service this morning and uh, pray you bless it and use it. In Jesus' name, amen.